This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, this is Mike Randall from Rotoviz Radio. And before we dive into the fantasy football mailbag, I want to tell you about mybookie.ag. If you guys found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to mybookie.ag. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with mybookie. I love that over-under line with the Ravens and the Chiefs. Everybody thinks it's going over. The Chiefs don't have Eric Fisher. The Ravens are an hour ahead. I really like the under and I'm betting it on my bookie. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try those parlays. If all the picks come through, you multiply your winnings and no matter how you bet the NFL season, it's always, folks, the best time of year. Join my bookie right now and they'll double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the September 20th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Today, we are talking to Ian Harditz, who is just crushing it over at Roto World. Ian does an incredible job over there, just one of the absolute best fantasy football sites on the planet. He gives you weekly analysis into so many vital parts of fantasy, like his weekly By the Numbers column, where he analyzes so many great things, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, running back ratings, the whole thing. Best and worst fantasy situations. He dives in. He's one of my top, absolute top follows on Twitter. He needs some sort of award for those GIF ability that he puts out there. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at iHarditz, and he is here to set us straight for week three. Ian, thanks so much for joining us here on The Bag. Are you ready to guide us through the most stressful fantasy week of the season here, week three? Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate that intro. But yes, it's great to finally have, you know, multiple weeks of regular season data to go off of as much as I love the preseason. You know, it's good to have a real game, real game snap rates to go off of now. Man, you've been killing it in fantasy football. Now you've worked your way. You're over at Roto World, a great opportunity that's well-deserved. I've been asking all the experts that come on the bag, how did you get your start in fantasy football and how'd you get to the point that you're at right now? Yeah, man. So I played football up until my sophomore year in college. I mean, I was just a D3 uh, linebacker at University of Chicago, so I was never going to the NFL or anything like that. But I always just loved the game. I mean, from the time I was little and, you know, once I was done playing, I still wanted to be involved with it. So pretty much uh, emailed every single writer, fantasy, you know, regular NFL that I could uh, find an email for offer to supply research for free and pretty much let them write the article. Um, Jonathan Bales, God bless his heart, was the only guy to take me up on it. Uh, pretty much sent him, you know, mapped out 
research articles that he could then write for a year and eventually did a good enough job there that he helped me get my start on my own. So uh, great things, uh, you know, from there, just owe, owe him incredibly. And, uh, you know, from there, just been grinding. Do you remember the first article you ever wrote for fantasy football? The reason I ask is the first one I ever wrote was when Ezekiel Elliott got drafted and how I thought he was not going to be an RB1 in his first season. Needless to say, terrible article, but sometimes that's how you start. (laughs) Do you remember your first article, the first topic you covered? We all have some misses, man. Um, Fantasy football one, not specifically, but I do know – I was writing a four for four for a little bit and uh, Chris Raybon was actually my editor back in the day. And I was doing these like 10 for 10 picks for some smaller DFS site. And Raybon told me afterwards that I was like the only writer that he ever had to make like severe edits for in terms of content <laughs> because man, I, I was a wild card, man. I was not even close to as polished as now. And, you know, uh, I think there was some about Russell Wilson. I was really getting personal with some of the insults I was throwing his way. So uh, I, I've had to clean things up a little bit since then. That's a great one. And look where you are now. Now you're killing it at the top of the heap here. Trying, man. <laughs> so week two was a fantasy football triage center for so many big time players. We had Ben Roethlisberger. He's out for the season with elbow surgery. Drew Brees is out six to eight weeks, thumb surgery. Of all the injuries that you saw in week two, which current fantasy player do you think is effective, affected the most, either positively or negatively? So who do you think maybe goes up because maybe they get a chance to play? Or who do you think really takes a a look down here because of what happened with the injuries so i'm more worried about this saints passing game than pittsburgh i think uh mason rudolph is still going to be able to move the ball there and there's enough uh talent to go around there to still do some good things on offense but man it's it's been a small sample size that we've seen Teddy Bridgewater with the Saints, but it hasn't looked good. And the most concerning thing to me last week was that only one of his 30 passes traveled at least 20 yards downfield. We're used to the Saints uh, dinking and dunking the ball on the field. I mean, Michael Thomas has an average target depth that's closer to guys like Adam Humphreys and Cole Beasley than uh, kind of true outside number ones. Obviously, it's been productive for him when you got guys like Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara underneath. They can make it work. But I think defenses, you know, they respect Breeze, even though he doesn't dink and dunk. I mean, even though he does dink and dunk it all the time, they respect Breeze as a downfield thrower because of what he's done in the past and he's accurate when he does it. I don't think Bridgewater has earned that respect by any stretch at this point. I think we're going to see defenses packing the box against the Saints and really trying to uh, not only rush him, but just take away those easy completions. So obviously that's going to be bad news for Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I think Sean Payton's smart enough to still get them plenty involved. Like it's not going to be like they're just not going to be good fantasy factors. But at the very least, we got to be really cautious about, you know, expecting them to just have this sky high upside every week, particularly with Kamara in the past game. I mean, after Bridgewater came in, Kamara only had three targets. You know, Michael Thomas was at 11. And again, I mean, I don't, I don't anticipate Kamara having three targets every week. Sean Payton's not going to let that happen. But I, I'm, I'm very, you know, just... I'm pessimistic about how this offense is going to look with uh, Teddy Two Gloves running the show. You know, I'm curious. I got a question from a listener who said he has Kelsey and Kittle, but he can only play one tight end. So obviously he's looking to trade one of them. And he got an offer this week, of course, recently, of Michael Thomas straight up for Travis Kelsey. He's desperate at wide receiver. I actually told him, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, I don't think that's enough because I I agree with you. I think Thomas takes a hit. And if you're getting rid of Kelsey, who could be tight end one, right, even though he does have 
have Kittle, I would rather get two wide receiver twos or maybe look for a different wide receiver one because I'm unsure of how Michael Thomas is going to going to do here moving forward. Yeah, you can't blame Kelsey. We've seen that. I mean, last year, you know, it was like Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle in that top three. This year, I think it's Kelsey at one, you know, and then there's tier two, which is Ertz and Kittle. So I I would try to ship uh, Kittle off for kind of two wide receiver twos, like you're saying. Because if you just just remove the tight end designation, I mean, Kelsey's a top 10 receiver regardless. Uh, He's that important to the Chiefs passing offense. Week three is a, a big week from a fantasy football strategy perspective, right? There's a huge difference between two and one, one and two, and a lot of teams are 0 and two, so they're desperate for a win. I want to get your thoughts on some of the players that have sort of disappointed so far for 0 and two owners that they may be struggling with on whether they should make a move or not and how you analyze them rest of schedule. Let's start in Tampa Bay. Of course, OJ Howard down there, huge, you know, yards per target over the last two years, but has struggled to get going there in Tampa Bay. What's your outlook on OJ Howard here with the Buccaneers? Man, this is the most disappointing guy in fantasy so far. Uh, definitely probably shouldn't have brushed aside uh, Bruce Arians' lack of uh, great tight ends trend like I think a lot of us did. But, you know, the snaps are there. He played, I think, 92% snaps in week two. And, you know, Bru- everything Bruce Arians is saying about, you know, he is a great player and he- they need to get him a little more involved. I'm willing to go back to the well one more time with him. They're playing the Giants this week. If it doesn't happen now, I don't know when it's going to happen, but hold tight on OJ for one more week. It's got to happen this week against the Giants. I agree. He's got to get something. Squeaky wheel game, Ian, right? Maybe he gets it. That's right, man. (laughs) Next up, Carolina quarterback Cam Newton. Now, listen, we've seen this from Cam before. Bad start to the season, two bad games. All of a sudden, he goes on a tear. But the difference is he is not running. He is definitely bothered by that ankle injury that occurred there in the preseason. So he may not play this week in what is a really great opportunity at Arizona. What do you think about Cam Newton here, rest of schedule? You said it, man. Five carries for negative two yards this year. I mean, Cam has been a better, you know, pocket passer in the past than he's been this year. You know, a lot of people are just kind of acting like he's never been able to beat defensive with his arm before. But when he's got this foot injury, like they they were showing it, he kind of re-aggravated on like the ninth play of the game. And after that, his accuracy really went all over the place. So it's not just affecting his rushing production, but it's impacting his ability to throw the ball accurately. Only the Dolphins and Bears have a higher percentage of uncatchable balls this season. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he plays this week. I think they're going to be pretty cautious with trying to get him back involved. But even without Cam in the lineup, you know, I'm not really downticking any of McCaffrey, Curtis, or DJ all that much because it really just hasn't been a good passing offense in Carolina right now. And, you know, removing Cam from that equation when he's playing this poorly banged up, I don't think it's really going to hurt those guys. Samuel and Moore have gotten the targets there over the first two weeks, and, and and Olsen was tremendous. He's going against an Arizona team that's a sieve against tight ends. So I agree, there's opportunities there. If Cam can somehow get on the field, I still think even though he's limited, he can put up some good numbers. We've seen it before, but I, I do think his rushing total is going to be tied to his fantasy upside. If, if he ends up not rushing, where do you rank him rest of season? Do you see him as a low-end QB1 if the rushing's not there? Without the rushing, man, it's hard to even put him in the QB1 category, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's fair. Next up, Bengals running back Joe Mixon. Now, look, Ian, he's one of the few three-down running backs, goal line running back on an offense that, of course, no Jonah Williams has been struggling a little bit. He's banged up, but he is a guy who projects for that volume, which is rare here. What do you think about Joe Mixon here moving forward? Man, the whole Bengals run game has been a train wreck so far, mostly because of their uh, offensive line. They just, 
it, even when Mixon does like rip off a good run, it's almost getting called back on a hold like every time. Uh, just too many injuries there, and they're not really moving the ball. I am going to stay patient with Mixon here. Uh, he hasn't had a super high snap rate so far. I think it's been more because just uh, these this a- nagging ankle injuries kind of had going. But you know, he made it through last week without uh, seemingly reaggravating it. So I think the best is still to come with Mixon. Moving to quarterback here, Kirk Cousins last year did have a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Now they're much more run heavy here in Minnesota, but they do have Diggs, they do have Thielen. Irv Smith's a rookie tight end, uh, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. So they have decent weapons on offense. With Roethlisberger and Breeze being hurt, if someone's looking for a quarterback, do you think Kirk Cousins is going to start catching fire here a little bit? Or are you pretty much saying what we've seen so far is what he's going to be? Look, man, Cousins is going to play better than he did last week. I mean, I think that was about the worst we're going to see him play, but there's just not enough opportunity in this offense to expect Cousins to be a viable fantasy option. The Vikings have a league-high 60% run play rate uh, after two weeks. We got the 49ers at, in second at 58%. No one else is even above 55%. So it's, I mean, I think we all expected the Vikings, you know, to definitely trend towards Dalvin Cook and be this run-first offense. I know the Atlanta blowout kind of skews these numbers a little bit, but this offense is going through Dalvin Cook even more so than I think we thought to start the season. I'm not only out on Kirk Cousins, but man, if you can get a good offer for Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen That's right it. now, it's not it's not a bad idea to sell him, man. Look, both those guys are insanely talented, but it, it's just it comes down to opportunity. I have been on an island, Ian. Thank you. Stefan Diggs <laughs> is a phenomenal receiver, such athletic ability, fantastic route runner, but he is injury prone. He does not play through those injuries when he's been questionable. His stats are terrible, and he's not in the ideal offense. I agree. I think Diggs is a guy that you really want to maybe try to move on from right now because I don't see it getting better with him i'm with you man i mean you know he, he popped off he had a long touchdown last week they're gonna make uh big plays because they are great receivers again but it, it's just not gonna be as consistent they were both top 10 ppr wide receivers last year and you know i'd be shocked if they could both finish top 20 this year let alone top 10 Last one here, Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. I think we've all been surprised that he has not run as much as we had anticipated. Now, look, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson. That's a crazy level right now. But could he finally get unleashed with some more design runs here at home against Carolina? He's had 300 yards passing in each of the first two games. Granted, he had to come from behind in the first week as well. Do you think that Kyler Murray could get unleashed here and really, you know, sort of pick it up and, and use that Konami code? We'll see, man. It's, you know, watching these Cardinals games, it's, it does seem unlikely that they're just going to really be running Murray on a bunch of design runs because, you know, they, they seem pretty willing to either give the ball to David Johnson or just keep airing it out. But the thing is, they're running so many plays with so much no huddle and such a fast pace that I don't even think it matters as much if Kyler doesn't reach anything close to the rushing production uh, we thought he was going to. He's only second quarterback ever to throw for at least 300 yards in each of his first two starts. I mean, not enough is being made about how well he played in a pretty brutal week two spot yep. against the mm-hmm. Ravens. And just watching him, even if the Cardinals O-line is not good, I mean, the fact the, the throws this dude can make off his back foot are absolutely insane. I mean, so he was dropping balls in buckets 40 yards downfield. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk with two guys in his face. I mean, he's 
uh, even if he gets a little more rushing production, which he should, because right now it's pretty much zero, you know, it's just going to help him uh, become even more of a QB1. 349 passing yards at Baltimore is big, however you slice it. Ian, we're going to break some news here. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Just got a tweet here from the Saints that they are going to use a two-quarterback approach against Seattle. So you were talking about Teddy Bridgewater. It sounds like Sean Payton's not buying either. I think they're going two QBs. I think we're going to be see a lot of Taysom Hill on, on Sunday, it sounds like. No? I'm not surprised, man. I mean... Look, Sean Payton was already willing to take Drew Brees, a future first ballot Hall of Famer, off the field near the end zone for Taysom Hill. I mean, clearly, uh, Payton's you know had a long-standing crush on Taysom, and he does bring a bunch of uh, athleticism to the quarterback position that Bridgewater just simply doesn't have. If you watch the preseason at all, I mean, Taysom as just a regular quarterback, not in these kind of wildcat schemes, he still presents plenty of problems. I mean, the dude can sling it, and even if uh, he's not going to be getting the quarterback st- uh, snaps, we're seeing him as slot receiver a good amount as well so yeah i mean it, it's gonna be a good amount of uh Taysom. i wouldn't expect them to kind of be like 50 50 or anything like that but i mean Taysom can easily kind of find his way to 20 30 snaps i think the vitriol i received about saying that i thought the cowboys have been the most impressive 2-0 team so far on social media was really outstanding it was not a hot take it's just my opinion but i mean i got pummeled over and over again so far with these 2-0 teams there's nine of them who do you think has been the most impressive we look, look it goes through new england we understand that but just considering all things defense offensive line coaching everything who do you think so far has been the, the most impressive to you I'm with you on the Cowboys, man. I don't know who's giving you a ton of crap over that. I mean, yes, uh, I still have the Patriots as a Super Bowl uh, favorites as well. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that idea, but just the, how good both this. So the two things with the Cowboys, we knew their defense was going to be pretty darn good, but they look borderline dominant now, and they're getting Robert Quinn back to help with the pass rush uh, with his two-game suspension over. Uh, you know, can't say a, a, enough good things about that secondary as well. They're one of the few teams in the league that truly has four good cornerbacks. And on offense, look, we've all seen Dak and the Kellamore scheme. I mean, that's all fantastic, but this offensive line getting back to really elite status has been the true game-changer to me. Dak's been pressured something like six times all season. I mean, it's it's, it's easy to make Kellen Moore's scheme look great when Dak has a clean pocket to throw from uh, every other pass. So it, it's been great to see uh, Travis Frederick, you know, get back from that weird illness he was dealing with last year and, you know, resume his status as one of the best centers in the league. And when, when this offensive line is fully healthy, man, there's not really many defensive lines uh, outside of Philadelphia that can give them problems. Frederick's been a game changer. Out of the nine 2-0 teams, who do you think is sort of the paper tiger or weakest? We have Patriots, Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, of course. Cowboys are 2-0, Packers are 2-0, and then surprisingly, the NFC West, we have the Rams, Niners, and Seahawks. Who do you think has been sort of the the one you're questioning a little bit so far, 2-0? I think it's the Packers. I've been uh, pleasantly surprised by their defense, their secondary. They got some talented young cornerbacks in Yair Alexander, Kevin King, uh, Preston Williams balling out. You know, they they actually finally made some free agency moves to kind of bolster their pass rush, which has been, you know, uh, kind of a rough spot a little bit over the years. And, but the thing is, They've played the Bears and Vikings, which, you know, we've kind of seen those uh, passing game limitations. So I'm not ready to crown their defense just yet. And the offense, man, we, were, we came in the season pretty much in Green Bay 
hoping that Matt LaFleur's scheme was just going to elevate them to new heights because they really didn't make any personnel changes on offense. And the result so far is 31 total points through two weeks. I mean, I, I get the Bears and Vikings have great defenses, so not ideal spots, but haven't seen anything to suggest that Aaron Rodgers is going to kind of return to his world-beater form. And it wasn't like last year was just kind of this random – uh, season where Rodgers just didn't play as well as he usually does. I mean, it's honestly been the last three, four years that he just hasn't been in you know the top five, top eight quarterbacks and adjusted yards per attempt. He's still capable of turning it on from time to time, but you know we're not seeing that same kind of 2010 to 2014 Rodgers these days. And, you know, I haven't seen anything from Lafleur's scheme thus far to suggest that's going to change. I want to take this moment to remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through that NFL podcast homepage, which is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content we have. And best of all, it does support the pod. And another way to support the pod is through patreon.com. We're in our second season. Patronship started $6 per month. You get exclusive access to our Rotoviz radio Slack channels where you jump in, interact with us, ask us questions, go back and forth. I've really enjoyed it so far. And at the higher end tier, they are $9 per month for patrons. Still a great deal. You get some Rotoviz merch at the end of the season. So become a Rotoviz patron today and join that exclusive community at patreon.com forward slash podcast. Ian, you just mentioned crown them, which of course triggers Denny Green. Uh, it seems like everyone right now is crowning Gardner Minshew after he came off that airplane, like he could be the next thing, or people want him to be with that shirt. Jacksonville's in disarray. They need to get it right on Thursday. They're a home underdog here against Tennessee. We're recording on Wednesday, but I'm curious, what would you recommend fantasy drafters doing with Leonard Fournette, Dede Westbrook? Obviously going to roll with Fournette. Uh, he's getting the opportunities, but he's not getting the points. But D.D. Westbrook has been MIA, and he's a guy I was really high on there in the preseason. So what do you think so far with Fournette and Westbrook, and, and how are they going to adjust here with Minshew moving forward? Keep firing up Fournette as an RB1, man. It's it's The opportunity is all there. And look, we got to follow the opportunity. I, I don't disagree with people that you know say Fournette's this kind of average talent back. I, I think he's a little better than that, but... It doesn't matter. The guy's playing 92% snaps. The only guys that are on the field more often are Christian McCaffrey and Le'Veon Bell. And the big thing for him this year is, you know, we've seen him get a bunch of opportunity before, but not this much in the passing game. He's had six targets in back-to-back weeks. We finally got a little pass game floor for him. And, you know, again, chase the opportunity. The D.D. Westbrook thing's more concerning. I mean, the big thing with him entering this year was how much Nick Foles had relied on his slot receivers in the past. But Gardner Minshew, he's showing off that kind of air raid target distribution trend where we see uh, these guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, until Beckham got there. Like these air raid quarterbacks are more used to throwing to whoever's open, not necessarily zeroing in on one guy. And so in Minshew's roughly seven quarters of action, we've seen DJ Chark have 11 targets, Didi have 11 targets, Fournette have 11 targets, Chris Conley have 10 targets. So none of these guys are really getting fed the ball. And DJ Chark has simply been the best wide receiver in this offense anyway. I mean, he's one of only, I think, 10 guys that's been averaging over three yards per out run this season per PFF. I mean, just, just from watching the tape, you can tell Chark is the number one guy there. And that's kind of been backed up by what beat riders have been saying all offseason. All right, so I'll put you on the spot. This morning with waivers, I dropped D.D. Westbrook for Debo Samuel. Dumb or not dumb? 
No, I'm cool with that. I've been high on Debo uh, this week just because I know his snap rate wasn't ideal um, last week, only 38%, but still number two on the team and targets behind Kittle. And the big thing with him is it's just so clear Shanahan wants to get this guy the ball. I mean, even going back to the preseason, it seems like every single game Debo's getting at least one, you know, rush attempt. They're using him on returns as well. The guy's good with the ball in his hands and, you know, I don't, I don't expect them to stop trying to get him the ball. All right, I've been asking everybody this question. What is your favorite American band of all time? Easy, man. It's Van Halen. I was uh, oh, lucky enough to see, yeah. <laughs> I was lucky enough to see him in a concert in Chicago a few years ago and oh man, hearing hearing eruption live was just unbelievable. Oh, right here, right now in the weight room in college. I remember those days. Yeah. That's tremendous. <laughs> Question here from one of those fantasy owners we talked about who's 0-2. They lost Big Ben and Breeze on Sunday. Person's in a six-point-per-passing TD league, so the quarterback position, very valued, usually usually the highest-scoring player. He wants to pick up Jimmy G, but Jimmy G has a bye in week four. So who do you like better rest of schedule? Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, or would you say grab Jimmy G and just stream in week four? Nah, man, go get yourself Josh Allen. People, I think we're still kind of holding on to our – early 2018 slash pre-draft assessment of Josh Allen. And look, the guy's playing great. I, I know the competition this year hasn't been, okay, I'll say good, not great. He's been, he's been a great fantasy quarterback though. And that's all we care about because he runs the ball so much. I mean, look, last season he returned in week 12 after having a brief injury. Since then, we've had eight regular season starts. The only quarterbacks with more fantasy points per game than Josh Allen are Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Like the guy is only trailing Lamar Jackson when it comes to rushing production. And he t- turns in a couple plays a week that literally only him and Mahomes can probably make because he's just that athletic. His arm is that live. And now that we finally have surrounded him with some decent wide receivers like John Brown and Cole Beasley, we're seeing that he's got a pretty good fantasy floor in addition to go with the already high ceiling we know about. So I understand, you know, Allen kind of like you know Dak Prescott for spurts over the last years not always the prettiest guy to watch on a week-to-week basis but he gets the fantasy points and again you know you mentioned before the Konami code rushing floor for these quarterbacks he's all over that last year led the NFL quarterback position 52 rushing yards per game he's at 30 this year but a lot more opportunities here especially with eight home games still upcoming There are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports, but how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing so much time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting each website on a daily basis is simply impossible. Now coming to the stage, Axio Sports. Axio Sports is a modern sports page that's delivered directly to your email inbox. Each morning, you'll see the best stories from around the sports world, from the NBA, the NFL, niche sports, cricket ping pong everything the email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends and gives you the ability to stay informed it's super simple to sign up you go to axiosports.com it's clean it's crisp and it gives you everything you need to know you can read it in five minutes in the elevator or do a deep dive on an article while you're on the train to work not only do you get caught up but you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and co-workers join the hundred thousand sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even 
movement begins. And best of all, no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is a free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself a favor and sign up. Sign up at Axio Sports for the newsletter for free. Seriously, I subscribe to it myself. It makes me feel more informed without spending time clicking through all those websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, try it for free at sports.axios.com. And guys, you are terrible at taking care of your health. Whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, or something worse, we are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. Got an L4, L5 disc herniation, bad back, the whole thing. I don't get it checked as much as I should. This same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient and discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Ian, you do great work at Roto World, man. You put out a deep analysis recently of all 32 backfields in your weekly By the Numbers column. Let's take a look at some of those ambiguous backfields. It would appear that Carrion Johnson is ready for a massive increase in volume. Lions released C.J. Anderson yesterday and subsequently signed the corpse of Paul Perkins. Should Carrion Johnson's owners rejoice, or do you think RBBC coach Matt Patricia is still going to keep doing what Matt Patricia does? <laughs> I think rejoice is a bit of a strong word. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say be cautiously optimistic. You know, carry on has been about this. He's been at this like 55% uh, snap rate. I think it could get up to around 65%, but I still don't think they're just going to all of a sudden turn over this backfield to him. I mean, we figured he'd be the receiving down guy when they got rid of Theo Riddick. And it turns out, you know, JD McKissick and Ty Johnson are still going to get some reps there. So obviously it's good news. They got rid of CJ Anderson, but a little part of me is concerned that, you know, it's more going to be a boost for Ty Johnson than carry on, which is insane, man. Cause look, carry on's incredible. And, you know, I had Lions fans barking at me all off season when I, uh, uh just said, you know, he's not going to have this featured role and he, he needs the feature role. He's awesome. It'd be great to see. But again, Patricia is going to keep Patriciaing and I just don't see it happening in the near future. I agree. I like Ty Johnson, six round draft pick out of Maryland, but I like him as well. A half point PPR question here about running backs. Person wrote in, Mike, and that's me. I know you're a huge Royce Freeman fan, which I am. Strong, fast, great receiver at Oregon, the whole thing. But the the Broncos have a limited offense. Two running backs I have are Freeman or Latavius Murray. I was starting Murray, but with Breeze out, now I'm thinking I should pivot to Royce. Who do you like out of those two, or should I just go pick up an RB like a Chris Thompson on the waiver wire? 
I don't hate Thompson, but I think he's always going to have kind of a shallow ceiling as long as AP and now Wendell Smallwood are also involved. I'm riding with Freeman over Latavius Murray. I mean, it's a, you know, Freeman's a 50% snap guy. Latavius is, you know, close to that 30% range. And, you know, the big thing that people have been kind of missing with this Broncos backfield is that Devontae Booker is, is gone. I mean, he's played one snap this season and he led the backfield with 51 targets last year. It's a strict two back committee now with uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And look, right now, I mean, Lindsay's been the number one in terms of opportunities, but it's a dead even snap split. And we could even see Freeman's pass game usage end up uh, kind of at least equaling Lindsay's, if not overtake it. Uh, right now, Lindsay's ha- has the target edge, but Freeman has actually run 42 routes compared to 41 for Lindsay. So, yeah, you know, Joe Flacco led offense. I wouldn't expect, you know, a ton of week to week upside there, but they're going to find the end zone eventually with these running backs. And, you know, Freeman's as good of a bet as Lindsay to do so. So DFS time. We got week three coming up here. I'm ready, Ian. I'm ready to win the million dollars. Okay. But I have you on the pod here. Help me out. Give me an under the radar DFS target for each of the positions. So give me a QB running back, wide receiver, tight end that you think maybe is off the radar a little bit, but could pop this week in, in DFS tournament play, uh, for week three. Yeah, so quarterback, I want to go back to Deshaun Watson well at 6,400. I, I know it's not an ideal matchup uh, versus Chargers, but look, Dak's going to be super chalky at 6,500. And going into this last week where you know Texans definitely underperformed against the Jaguars, I mean, they were averaging over 30 points per game with each of uh, Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller healthy. Uh, we know Watson always has that overall QB1 upside. And you know if we can get an ownership discount on it, sign me up. Running back. Miles Sanders, 3,900 at home as a six and a half point favorite, man. Let's do it. Uh, I know his uh, efficiency hasn't been great, but had a 21 yard touchdown negated in week one that the NFL literally admitted they botched the holding call. So been a little bit better than numbers suggest. He's he's sharing reps a little bit with Sproles and uh, Sproles and Jordan Howard. That's who, my bad. But at the same time, like compare Sanders' situation to what we've seen from Daryl Henderson and David Montgomery. Cle- like he's been starting from week one. Clearly the Eagles want Sanders to be their number one RB. I mean, it's not wasn't too long ago that Zeke struggled pretty uh, hard out of the gate in his first two games as well. So I'm not going to sweat Sanders' uh, inefficient start. I think a breakout could be coming. Uh, wide receiver, we touched on him a little bit earlier, but Curtis Samuel, man, 4,800. I think people are going to be generally scared off with no cam, but mentioned, you know, just how many uncatchable balls have been this offense. If you watched that Panthers-Buccaneers game last last Thursday night, I mean, Curtis could have gone for over 150 if he has had a few more accurate targets. So he's a deep threatened that offense and has major boom potential tight end man this is a tough one i think the cheapest i'm willing to go and like have at least some hope for a floor is austin hooper at 3600 versus the colts uh they allowed the most yards per game to tight end position in 2018 but i mean if there's a week you can spend up and go get yourself uh Kelsey Kittle or Ertz who should just get overloaded with targets this week with all the injuries they got you know I definitely recommend doing that I agree with the tight end and Miles Sanders is coming it's absolutely coming now they have some injuries to the receiving core right Alshon Jeffrey Deshaun Jackson this could be the week he has been close to popping some and I was actually encouraged because Darren Sproles was not that involved in the second half of that game against Atlanta I thought he'd be involved a little bit more Sanders is on the field a lot so I agree Jordan Howard's a non-issue I think this could be the big week for Miles Sanders TJ Hernandez joined us two weeks ago. He does not like IPAs. People know that about him. I want to know the drink of choice on a Friday night as you're getting your DFS lineups ready in the Hardest household. 
I wish I had a stick as a strong as TJ's aversion to IPAs, man. That, that, that shit is funny. Uh, I've been loving uh, this beer called Big Wave Golden Ale from the Kona Brewing Company oh, lately. Oh, Kona, especially, yeah, Kona, yep. Yeah, especially during the summer, man. It's delicious, but I, I'm not too picky, whatever. I mean, if you got some whiskey, I'll drink that too. <laughs> Whiskey's good. Jim Martini's the one I like to calm me down here as I as I hit the 1 o'clock time on a, on a Sunday. New question here from a livid Duke Johnson fan. Why does a black cloud follow Duke Johnson wherever he goes? 206 pounds, third round pick from Miami. The kid is the all-time leading rusher at University of Miami. Now we have Carlos Hyde logging snaps behind a bad offensive line. He is a plotter out of the Cedric Benson mold. Very good reference there. Do I actually drop Duke for Hyde, who's available on waivers? I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm in a standard league, by the way, which may be his first problem, but go ahead. <laughs> agree on all accounts. And I mean, I, I, I could have wrote this question. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, the fact that Hugh Jackson seemingly changed not only the public, but the entire leagues like mind that Duke Johnson can't be this three down back is just absurd. I mean, like the, like the, whoever sent this message and said, you know, all time leading rusher in Miami. And you, and you think the guy can't run in between the tackles. It's absurd. But apparently the Texans believe that man. And look, I, I was on a Twitch stream last week getting all these questions about Hyde, and I kept saying he's not good. Like, don't worry about it. Duke Johnson season. And, man, was I wrong. Hyde is playing well this year, man. Say what you want about the guy, but he's averaging a full 1.7 yards over his career yards per carry rate, super high success rate. He deserves the extra touches for now, man, and it's not looking too much better for Duke. I mean, if you think about when the Duke hype really got rolling – it was before not only Hyde was there, but it was also when we thought Kiki Kute was dealing with a more serious injury. He's already back in action. Kenny Stills wasn't on the roster yet. I mean, he's splitting reps uh, with Kiki as well. Deshaun has never been a guy to check the ball down to begin with, and now the area where Duke should be thriving is a lot more crowded. So, man, standard league, I, I think you got to consider dropping Duke for Hyde. I don't like starting either of them. And, you know, I do wonder how much we'll see that week two snap rate continue considering uh, Hyde, you know, he has this very efficient game. He gets fed the ball and the Texans came away with 13 points. So, I mean, I think they could try to change up the game plan uh, just based on that overall uh, offense performance. But, yeah, it, it's a, not a good situation. It's not good, but he he's finding a way to be successful per player profiler. He is fifth. In true yards per carry at 5.6, he has two breakaway runs of 15 yards or greater, which actually ties him for eighth, and he is fifth right now in the league in rushing. I did just say that. Carlos Hyde, fifth in the league in rushing, 173 yards. I, I think he's the goal line back for sure, no? Yeah, man. I mean, look, he's been playing great. You, you can't take that away from him. We have seen this a little bit from Hyde in the past in September. I mean, I remember when he was with the uh, 49ers, he had that filthy spin move, I think, against the Vikings in week one or something and put up a couple touchdowns. So, I mean, I'd be surprised if Hyde's still a top five rusher, you know, this time in a month. But hey, if he keeps playing as well as he is, you know, we'll see. Fantasy football buy or sell time. This is sponsored by FFBcast. Visit FFBcast.com for your fantasy league's very own custom podcast. They record podcasts for your fantasy league. They give you quick clips, episodes, which is a video option. Offers the opportunity for you to hire industry experts as well to make guest appearances and break down your weekly fantasy league. So please check out FFBcast.com. 
these players, Ian, buys or sells? That's my question. Are you buying or selling them based on their week one, two performance? We're going to assume half point PPR for all of them. First up, Eric Ebron. Now, we all thought Eric Ebron is going to take a step back from the incredible touchdown efficiency last year, but no Andrew Luck. He did catch a TD last week, one red zone target, and he caught it. And that got him to tight end nine, of course, because the tight end position is, is so shallow. Buy or sell Ebron as a top 10 fantasy tight end rest of schedule. I'm selling him. His touchdown last week was a fluky little shovel pass. Um, look, the thing is, when Jack Doyle's there, Ebron has not been a full-time player. I mean, he's they've played eight games together, and Ebron has surpassed 50% snaps in just one of those games. And that wasn't as big of an issue last year because of how much Andrew Luck just zeroed in on Ebron in the red zone, but this is a run-first Colts offense now. I mean, Jacoby Brissett has thrown 27 and 28 passes in these first two weeks. I mean, it's going, it's revolving around Marlon Mack in the run game, and, you know, Eric Ebron set up as, at best, the number two option, and I, I don't, I think that's very kind to say uh, in this run-first offense. Nah, so... Malcolm Brown is a running back that he's pretty much like the best running back available on waivers in so many leagues because people aren't sure what to think so far. 11 rushes, 53 yards, two touchdowns. Is he a buy in the Rams offense or you think that that's pretty much just something that happened early in the year and it's going to be girly moving forward? I'm okay with buying him in terms of he's an amazing handcuff. So if you got a deeper bench, then go ahead. But I would not expect standalone value. I mean, there there was this idea in the industry last week that Malcolm Brown's the Rams goal line back. He's a vulture. And that that's just not – it's not rooted in reality. It's not what's happened. I mean, the Rams have – pretty much played Gurley for two drives and, and taking them off and then put Brown in for one. You know, we've seen Gurley have this 65% uh, percent, uh, snap rate so far and they're both being used the same way. You know, they go on the field, they play their drive and they leave. It's not like Gurley has marched the offense down inside the five yard line and McVay's pulled him off and put Brown in. Brown's touches inside the five yard line came on his drives. Uh, again, like this is not, uh, you know, Big time. The Rams aren't scheming ways to not give Gurley touchdowns. And we saw that last week when I think on their second drive of the game, you know, we scored from four yards out. So Malcolm Brown, yes, amazing handcuff. And, you know, three weeks ago, we thought Daryl Henderson was the amazing Gurley handcuff. So I'm fine buying him there. But again, just do not expect standalone value. Marquise Brown has driven me nuts because I really wanted to play him in DFS, but he always has that injury tag. He missed practice, and then he comes and balls out on Sunday. So buy or sell Marquise Brown there in the Ravens offense as a legit sort of low-end wide receiver, too, for the rest of the season. I'm buying him, man. He is so good. I, I hear you with the you know foot concerns and not being 100% healthy all the time, but... I mean, his week one snap count, we only played like 14 total snaps, uh, was concerning. But then he turned around in week two and played more snaps than anyone other than Lamar Jackson, the offensive lineman. So he seems to be healthy enough and even more, uh, you know, better, even what was even better to see than that was just his usage. He's not just this deep threat that's going to be this boomer bust guy, you know, if he can reel in his deep targets. I mean, they were using him on screens and these shorter high percentage crossers. He is electric with the ball in his hands. I mean, he is not just this straight line speedster. He can make dudes miss any area of the field. So I'm buying here. We talked about Debo before, but I'm curious. It seems like Shanahan is really cracking the whip to try to get Dante Pettis going. Samuel has TD catches here each of his first two games, but you mentioned only 38% snap share. Buy or sell Debo versus Pettis for the next 14 games. Can he keep this up? Yeah, man. I mean, look, Pettis has 
let's see, one target this season. So, I, I look, I follow snaps as much as anyone, but we also got to look at the targets, especially when it's in an offense like the 49ers where, you know, Shanny's always doing such a good job of scheming everyone open and, you know, kind of having these plays where Jimmy G's able to, a lot of times, go to his first or second read and the guy's open because of just how well-designed the entire offense is. So, yeah, I mean, everything with Debo in terms of draft capital and, you know, what we've heard from the coaches and what we've seen now uh, through the preseason and the first two games points to Debo being being in a better spot than Pettis. And last one here, Demarcus Robinson. He was the overall wide receiver one last week. I'm seeing him. Waivers just went through in Scott Fishbowl, $38 out of $100, $45. People are buying in. Buy or sell Robinson outscoring rookie Terry McLaurin of Washington. So you got Robinson in the explosive offense here, but there's a lot of weapons, but he's with Patrick Mahomes, which is always great. And then you got McLaurin, who's a rookie in a much worse offense, but certainly seems like the number one there. So until Tyreek Hill comes back, who do you think scores more, Robinson or Terry McLaurin? It's very close, man. I lean towards uh, Scary Terry, but <laughs> man, like you, you can't go wrong either way. I mean, it's more just a testament to how good Terry McLaurin has looked so far. I mean, he's getting multiple deep shots a game. He's got that blazing four three five speed. I mean, week one, you know, he had a seventy yard touchdown. Just pretty like Keenum just missed him. He was well beyond the coverage, and he could have you know had an even bigger week than he did. Uh, but last week was even more impressive. I mean, this dude's route running is just ridiculous at this point in his career. I mean, he got the best of Byron Jones a few times, who you know is really one of the better cornerbacks in the league at this point. So uh, Demarcus Robinson, look, anyone in this even remotely involved in this Chiefs passing offense is going to have a high ceiling week to week. But, you know, it, it's it's going to be Miko Harbin some weeks. Travis Kelsey's going to get overloaded some weeks. Or it'll be like last week where everyone just balls out. So, uh, again, can't go wrong. It's pretty close. But in general, I, I like to have the more opportunity. And that's looking like Terry McLaurin on a week to week basis. Next fantasy question here from a Rams fan. Make sense of the Rams wide receivers. Obviously, I think Brandon Cooks is the best, but his volatility is the worst, and he does tail off sometimes at the end of the season. Robert Woods is solid across the board, but he doesn't get the deep targets that Cooks gets, and he's sort of a less short target volume guy than wide receiver Cooper Cup. Cup is a solid PPR choice, but he doesn't get the deep balls, except on Sunday when he got his knee down at the one. (laughs) What's your preferred order in PPR and standard? Full disclosure, this person has Woods and Cup, so he's basically asking would you feel comfortable in a 12 team league starting both when the rams are home what about if they're away yeah i think think it's fine to start them both at home and you know maybe a way you take a closer look at the matchup you know if you're traveling to uh jacksonville or facing one of these really uh really good secondaries all the way around maybe a little hesitation but at home i mean fire them up golf's home away splits are just ridiculous at this point and they truly seem to matter um i would rank them cup one cooks two woods three i mean i'm just a sucker for the speed and the upside which obviously uh cooks does have over woods and you know we've seen uh, golf immediately go back to feeding cup and man it's amazing how quickly he got healthy that catch and run he had last week where he got down the one like you mentioned was just mesmerizing and so good uh i'm fine starting both and the fun thing with these rams wide receivers is they they usually get like a rush attempt or two per week with the way mcveigh kind of uses them so it's it's cool to kind of get those extra touches and see him do that that's an excellent point get those extra touches that you can never pop one there 15 20 that always can help uh, 20 yards of course no problem What's the best holiday or birthday gift that you ever got as a kid? Oh, man. Um, 
I got see, I got these dope green Nike shocks when I was in like sixth grade, and it was the first time I truly just loved a pair of shoes. And you know, n- now that I'm 26 and spend you know most of my excess income on shoes, I, I can look back to that point as when I was like, yeah, I, I'm gonna get some more of these things. Oh, middle school, that must have been huge, man. You must have walked in that morning and like you know, cue the music with Vince McMahon walking down the, 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 the <laughs> there. That must have been huge. Exactly, man. It's so funny when you you're walking around with you know, you. you, you your new pair of white Nikes and you know you're just itching along like trying to make sure not a scuff of dirt will ever get on them but (laughs) next up Trey question here I love LaShawn McCoy I think he's going to kill it on the Chiefs especially in the bigger games against tougher opponents later in the year I'm just not buying Damian Williams I think he's a great trade target now because I don't see Damian being the guy in the matchups against Green Bay and Minnesota at home the Patriots away and then the two Charger games so this is a big McCoy guy am I biased or do you think he can be a big league winner second half of the season I would caution the uh, questioner to just don't worry about the Chiefs matchups as much. I mean, they can put up points on anyone and especially looking this far ahead, like we don't know what injuries could happen uh, in between now and then. So I really wouldn't base your early season roster decisions based on, you know, late season matchups. But I agree that Shady has definitely been the better rusher of the two this season. With that said, they're keeping Damian Williams really involved in the passing game. I mean, he broke that wheel route in the preseason for a long touchdown. And now like you watch any Chiefs game and it seems like they're running him on that same wheel route at least five or six times a game so he's still getting kind of fancy friendly targets honestly i think darwin thompson might be the league winning wild card yep, here mm-hmm. because look both these guys are banged up right now shady is supposed to practice today which is good but he's got an ankle injury i'm all right was negative uh damon williams isn't practicing today and he's got a knee contusion neither of them seem like extended absences but look Thompson is just one injury away from those guys from probably being thrust into a, you know, one B committee back role. And if that doesn't happen, we're going to need to see more from this rushing game. And if we don't, he might get opportunities sooner rather than later. They had 31 rushing yards on 22 carries against the Raiders last week, which is just unacceptable. And part of that was, you know, their left tackle, Eric Fisher, being out. And he's going to be out uh, the next four or six weeks. He's having a core muscle surgery. And, you know, if, if Shady and Damian aren't really getting going on the ground, Darwin Thompson uh, at least flashed in the preseason. And even if you want to say preseason doesn't matter, you know, if he can at least convince Reed that he's the best back of the group, we know whoever does emerge from this backfield uh, w- will be, you know, a fantasy friendly asset. And uh, Thompson's easily the cheapest of the group right now. Excellent point about Eric Fisher. They have not really clicked so far in the running game, and that's a big point. With Baltimore coming in, that could be very sneaky there. That's going to be a great, great game. Time for week three lightning round. Pick the player that you think will have a bigger week three performance. We'll assume, man, half PPR here. So I'll give you two guys. Who do you like better this week? First up, running backs. Chris Carson at home against the Saints or Devonta Freeman at Indy? Chris Carson, it's easy. I know the fumbles haven't been great, but he's still locked into a higher kind of snap and touch floor. And man, Freeman just isn't breaking the tackles these days. It's it's a noticeable drop off in terms of just how violently he runs. Don't you feel that the Falcons are a team that could have one of these league winner running backs that no one thought at the end of the year, whether it's Ito Smith or Brian Hill? Freeman is not looking good and their offense is so explosive. They have like 12, 13 games in domes. Don't you think like this could be the, the team where that guy pops up and you're like where the heck did he come from and all of a sudden week 14 you're starting like Edo Smith right they could be contributors I don't know if I'd say like league winners or anything like that just because even if Freeman gets hurt I think Edo kind of steps into the 55% role and Hill's right there at 45% so it would need to be like 
Freeman and Ito get hurt, and then you know just Brian Hill needs to be every down back for them because they really don't have anyone else. But I think we're looking at a committee backfield for the rest of the season in Atlanta, regardless of kind of who's healthy. And we're certainly looking at a lot of pass attempts, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. David Montgomery at Washington sort of took control of the backfield there in Denver last week. He's on Monday Night Football or Carlos Hyde traveling to the Chargers. I'm going with David Montgomery here, but it's close. I mean, said a bunch of nice things about Hyde earlier. He's probably got the higher uh, touch floor at this point, but home game with a slightly better matchup. I'll take David Montgomery. It was great to see Montgomery, you know, take over as the Bears RB1, but the problem with it was the Tariq Cohen slot receiver experiments over, you know, Anthony Miller's back there. So now, yes, David Montgomery's the RB1, but now he's the RB1 in a three-headed backfield instead of a two-headed backfield. So uh, I, I think they continue to get him more involved. You know, it was great to see uh, Matt Nagy like already make kind of that change after just one week. Uh, but it, it, it's close for week two or for week three. Good point. Let's move to quarterback. Baker Mayfield at home against the Rams. That's a big spot for Cleveland. Or we talked about Kyler Murray in the desert against the Panthers. I think it's Kyler. I don't think it's particularly close, to be honest with you. Uh, Baker has not looked good this year at all. If you take away the you know 90-yard catch and run from Beckham, that was more or less, I mean, no one was even five yards, 10 yards around him when he caught the ball. Uh, Baker did not play well at all in a pretty smash spot against the you know, Jets secondary that benched their highest paid cornerback, Jermaine Johnson, uh, before the game. So uh, need to see more out of Baker. You know, Freddie Kitchens talking about not wanting him to get hit more and wanting to run the ball more. Uh, I think Baker figures it out. He's too good not to. But uh, again, just really good uh, things to say about Kyler and just the amount of passes he has, the amount of plays they run. I think he's got the higher floor for sure. Now, Jonathan Abram is out there with the Raiders. So here we go. We have Stefan Diggs at home in what's a great spot against the Raiders, but a low passing offense, low passing volume offense. We talked about that. Or the incredible medical marvel, Emmanuel Sanders on the road at Green Bay. Which wide receiver you like better? Manny Sanders, man, it's incredible to see a 30-plus-year-old uh, receiver just be this good coming off an Achilles injury that happened late in the season. But he's one of only 16 players with at least 20 targets a season. So, uh, you know, e- even though Stefan Diggs, I think, is the better receiver at this point, uh, just give me the give me the targets and the opportunity. You know, mentioned before just how run-heavy this Vikings offense is. The Raiders have been absolutely smashed by pretty much uh, anyone other than kind of primary slot receivers uh, this season. So I could see Diggs popping off, but I'll take Manny Sanders. And better bounce back from a disappointing week two. TJ Hawkinson, big game against Arizona, but then not so good last week against the Chargers. He's at Philly or Darren Waller had the big uh, game in the Monday night week one win, but then wasn't great last week. Now he's at Minnesota. Hawkinson or Waller? I'm going with Waller. And last week I kind of compared these two because they're two real prop. Uh, popular waiver claims and I I thought it was kind of like the Evan Ingram OJ Howard debate before the season because I think Hawkinson is definitely the more complete and better overall real life tight end than Waller but Waller has the chance to really lead the Raiders in targets and be the primary receiver more weeks than not and that's kind of what we've seen with Evan Ingram OJ Howard play out you know I, I still think Howard is a better overall tight end and Ingram when you consider blocking and different things like that. But, you know, in a deserted Giants passing offense, Ingram's been getting the targets. So again, chase the opportunity. It's a tough matchup with Harrison Smith roaming uh, the middle of the field. But, you know, we saw Austin Hooper go for like nine catches, 77 yards against the Vikings in week one. So definitely room for Waller just kind of eat up uh, targets in that short and intermediate areas of the field. What is the best sporting event you attended live? 
Ooh, it'll be this last April. I was at a UFC 236 in Atlanta. Man, I, I really love the UFC. It's my second favorite uh, sport behind the NFL. And I got to see uh, Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gaslam go for the interim UFC middleweight belt. It, it was the best fight of my life I've ever seen. Just back and forth uh, knockdowns for both guys. Incredible. And then the main event was uh, Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier. And another just classic fight that it was like all my adrenaline was just already gone before that fight and then for that one to be just amazing as well it, it, it was incredible those live fights when those fighters boxers UCF when they get to the ring it's real man it is on and it's real that must have been a lot of fun in person UFC and hockey in my experience are like the when you're there live like it's just so much better last question man you've been fantastic as always you killed it exceeded expectations and then I'll let you go I always say can't win the fantasy league right in the first two rounds, but you certainly can lose it. So who's that early first or second round player that you think fantasy owners right now need to get out from under? So someone maybe who's performed well and you're like, you know what? I think you got to sell high or someone who hasn't performed well that you think you should get rid of because if you don't get rid of them now, you're going to be hanging on to them and it's going to be a problem. Like let's say last year, David Johnson, Rob Gronkowski. So who's that guy at the top, the first two rounds there that you think sort of it's, it's time to move on? I think, man, we've we've talked about this a lot. I think it's these Vikings wide receivers. I mean, both Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, if you can get uh, you know, a legit return for them where people are still kind of looking at them as lower end wide receiver ones, I mean, I'd say pull the trigger. It's just it's gonna be a run heavy offense all season. Even if Dalvin like Dalvin Cook gets hurt or something, we've seen enough from Alexander Madison to make me think that you know they're not gonna stop running the ball or anything. And look, th- again, th- they they are very good real life receivers and they're gonna have their good weeks regardless. But the week to week consistency is not there from what we wanted from a top two or three round pick. Folks, Ian Hart, it's killing it. Roto World dominating every week, just churns out articles. The guy never sleeps, just churns out articles <laughs> and content. Gotta follow him on Twitter at iHeart. It's H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. Ian, you were the best, man. Really appreciate it. A lot of energy, a lot of insight. Keep doing your thing at Roto World because we're watching. Appreciate you, Mike. This was fun, man. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the fantasy football mailbag of Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcasts. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.